got another parable to share today, so this is also going to be a church barbecue. <laughs> going to get a hot one today in your hearts. And uh, want to wave to everyone that's online. Welcome. Pastor Jason and Lori will be back with us next uh, Sunday morning. We're looking forward to that. How many love your pastor? Isn't he something else? Wow. So let me do an on-ramp. I need an on-ramp before we get rolling today, and that is that Life Center School of the Bible is going to be happening real soon. And if you know anything about the person of Jesus, he came from a Jewish culture, raised up in a Jewish culture, so the Word of God was central in his life. We know that he is God manifest in the flesh, and through the context of Jewish Hebrew scripture, he began to preach and teach. And so one of the scriptures that Jewish people would always have is found in Deuteronomy 6, and it's called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. And that would become part and parcel of the memory verses that would be working inside of them. Because when Jesus came, they only had scrolls. They didn't have chapters and verses. They had scrolls. So when he would start to say something, they would be able to finish what he was saying. Because it was a homogeneous culture, and they understood that they were all sort of singing from the same songbook. Whereas today, it's very, very different. And so it's a challenge. I know that everyone that was on Heartstrong has just finished going through the first five books, the Torah. And that's what every Jewish child from six years old and up would be grounded in Torah, understand it and know it and walk in it and begin to live it out. And so Jesus is working and walking and he comes to a moment in his ministry where he has to select 12 men from all those who were following him. So he goes up on the mountain and he begins to pray and he comes down and he picks his 12. Do you think he smiled when he looked at the 12 and said to himself, Father, are you sure? <laughs> These 12? I mean, he had everything under the sun in that group and yet those were the 12. And then he decided he would go home. In Mark chapter 3, it says he went home, but the crowds gathered again so that they couldn't even eat. They were just being pressed in. And when his family heard that he didn't even have an opportunity to have a meal, they went out and seized him. And this is what Jesus' earthly family said about him. He's out of his mind. You think you have family problems? Jesus had family problems. And so for all of us to realize there's nothing new under the sun, God's at work, and in just a moment I'm going to take you back into a video, and we'll see it in a few minutes, but let me just continue on the on-ramp. We've been talking about parables, and parables make a point. They're not something that you build your theology around, but there's a point that Jesus is trying to explain. Pastor Jason started with the mustard seed. Jesus was saying, yes, in the beginning it's very, very tiny, but it's going to fill the whole earth. 
Think about that. Then we looked at laborers in the vineyard and the realization that no matter at what point that we come into the kingdom, the wage is the same. Talked about the rich man and Lazarus, and Rhonda preached through that, the realities of heaven and hell. The marriage feast and the invitations that keep going out in every generation all over the world to come follow me. The sower and the seed. And we learned that when the seed is being scattered, there's nothing wrong with the seed. The issue is the soil that the seed falls upon. And I'm believing this morning there's lots of good ground in here so that as the soil just begins to nurture the, the seed that is sown, you'll multiply 30, 60, 100-fold in your heart and in your life. And then the sheep and the goats. Yes, there is going to be a division between those who follow and those who butt Jesus all the time. The ten virgins. Some are wise and some are foolish. All virgins. But the reality that we want to live our life as wise men and women. Then the dishonest manager that uh, Pastor Jason walked us through last week. That's all about stewardship. Wisdom in your stewardship. And so today we're going to look at an unmerciful servant or an unforgiving servant. If you are following through in your Bible, it's in Matthew 18, 21 to 35. So before we see the video, I have to set this up for you because I want you to realize that Peter had questions. We all have questions. When you have lots of questions, it's a sign that you're hungry to grow. When you don't have any questions, you're just floating. So you want to have questions. And so Peter is going to come to Jesus, and he's going to ask him a question. And in a moment, when we see the video, I want you to be able to put yourself in the same position as Peter, that when Peter asks this particular question and Jesus begins to speak to him, it is a very short clip, but is a key to the kingdom. It is a key for you and I to live in the freedom that God wants us to live in, to not be mirrors of the culture, but mirrors of the kingdom, so people can look at our lives and can see how differently we live and understand that, no, we're not out of our minds. We're in our right minds finally, and we're living based on the Lord's Prayer, which again was a Jewish prayer that they would pray that had 18 blessings in it, and he just crystallized it into what we call the Lord's Prayer, and he says that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when Peter comes, he's saying something interesting to Jesus, uh, and that is that he's in a small group, and anytime there's a small group, there's room for contention. And this is an in-house discussion today. And for those of you that are watching online, uh, you think of the groups that you're part of. And it doesn't take long for tensions to arise in a particular group. And so when Peter comes to Jesus and asks him, how often shall, I, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? I think what Peter's trying to say is, there's somebody in the group that's getting on my nerves. And I'm having a hard time with them. And uh, because whenever you ask a question, there's always a question behind the question. And he's trying to get some input from Jesus. And they're a 
interesting group of people. And I think what Jesus said to him is, Peter, do you remember when I taught you the, the prayer or how to pray? And in it, I said something that you must do every single day, and that's forgive us our trespasses as we forgive others, that it's part and parcel of kingdom living. And Peter hears that. Peter is recalling what Jesus said about forgiveness, but now he has to put it into practice. At the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to step out of your seat and to come stand at the altar and allow God to alter you. I'm going to change some things in our hearts because many of us are held in position. We're anchored to something in the past. We're anchored to a situation. We've gone through things in our life where it's just been so hard for us to extend forgiveness because we're always waiting for other people to do certain things first. And God is going to put his finger on your heart and on my heart because I've got issues in my heart too where I want to be able to say, Lord, I want complete freedom in these areas of my life as well. And so this, how many times should I forgive, Peter's asking, and you'll see it in a moment. And uh, he says seven, because to the Jews, seven is the number of completion. It means there's six days in creation, and on the seventh day is rested. In other words, it's concluded. We can rest now from the labor of that. And so Peter thinks, boy, I am just really out there. I am just stretching this to, the, to its maximum. And Jesus says to him, no, not seven times, Peter, but 70 times seven. How many know Peter just kind <laughs> of took a deep breath at that moment and had a picture in his mind of the person in the group that he's struggling with? the situation that's taking place. And he's going, 70 times 7. Now, here's what a legalist would say. All right, what about 491? What happens on the 1 past the 490? And, and you're missing the point of the story. He's trying to say to Peter, you're going to walk this out in such a way as that you're going to demonstrate my heart for humanity and your faith and your trust in me that I'm at work in you when you can't even see it, that I'm going to do things in your heart and in your life and in your circumstances that will demonstrate to you that miracles happen every single day, that I'm at work and you don't have to fuss with it. You just need to trust me. And so Peter's going to go through that. Now, he also knows what Daniel has taught. Daniel prophesied that there were going to be 77s or 490 years in Jewish understanding where God is going to bring to completion the issues that are facing the whole world and usher in a new heaven and a new earth. And in Daniel 9, verse 24, he says, I will finish transgression. I will make an end of sin, I will atone for iniquity, and then I will bring in an everlasting kingdom of righteousness. So there's the personal that's going on, and then there's the global. God's at work in the whole of creation to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so he works with you and he works with me, and we then make distinctive changes in our day-to-day -day life. 
And so forgiveness really is the key to spiritual unity between your life and God and then between us and others so that we can walk this out in such a way as that we're not resorting to the weapons of the world. We're not resorting to fighting one another in flesh and blood, but we really are taking spiritual principles, putting on the weapons of our warfare, which are spiritual, and beginning to take issues to prayer and say, Lord, start with me. And when he starts with you, then the rest is history. So forgiveness will break down the barriers that we have between us. So let's take a moment. Let's look at the video. And as we are looking at the video, put yourself in Peter's position and just simply listen to what Jesus is saying. Let's do this together. God is loving, but he's not safe. When it comes to forgiveness, he's very, very serious about it. And so in verses 23 to 24, he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven will be like. And so he uses a story of a king and a servant who has a debt that's impossible for him to pay. He cannot repay. He doesn't have enough lifetimes to be able to repay. And so in his compassion, he forgives this servant a debt that's so enormous that it's beyond comprehension. And so you can imagine what it would be like for you if you had to go before the courts and you had a debt that you couldn't pay, and you would wonder what would my punishment be, and there'd be fear. So this servant that comes before the king really pleads with the king, and he's asking the king to show him mercy. And the king does that. The king shows him mercy. And so I want you to know from this story that it is the heart of God to show each of us mercy. It's the heart of God to be gracious to us. He understands the debt that we owe him, but he's willing to release and forgive that when we come to him in humility asking God to forgive us. He is more than willing to forgive us. It is an illustration for us of God at work in the midst of the world around us. And so when we understand that and grasp that, then this story starts to come alive even inside of us. And in verses 25 to 27, when it said that he was not able to pay, what that meant was that he couldn't even give his life in payment and his wife's life in payment and his children's life in payment and all that he owed in payment, it still would not be enough to cover the debt. And if you know anything about Scripture, you know that when you and I sin against God, and we do, that's a debt that brings with it a judgment called death. And the wage of sin is always death. And the biblical storyline is when Adam and Eve sinned against God, the judgment of God had already been made clear to them, the soul that sins shall die. And so they could not die in their sins, otherwise they would have been separated from God forever and forever. And so he shows mercy on them and makes them a promise that a redeemer would come. And that's the unfolding of the storyline. And he closed them in skins to show a life for a life. The shedding of blood will bring the forgiveness of your sin. Adam and Eve, you're spiritually bankrupt. And for all of us, 
For those of you online, we're also spiritually bankrupt. We have a debt that we can't pay because if we die in our sins, we're separated from God. And the story shows us that's the last thing that God wants. He wants to gather men and women from all over the world, and forgiveness is the key because it starts with you receiving forgiveness from him and the joy that accompanies that and then your willingness to forgive others. The challenge is for us to grasp this and to be able to do what needs to be done. And so the master knows it's impossible for this servant to repay, and so he extends mercy. He does something Jewish people understand called the Jubilee. In Scripture, at the end of the 49th year, going into the 50th year, every cycle of 50 years there was a Jubilee, and it meant all debts could be forgiven. How many know that would be a good thing for our government to do? That would be a good thing for the financial institutions of the world to do. Our world desperately needs a jubilee. Uh, how many know we've messed it up pretty bad? We're not that great at being stewards of what God has given us in terms of resources. So whether it's the climate or whether it's the culture, it's a mess. And yet God chooses to work in the middle of the mess. And that is what is wonderful about this. And so being an impossible debtor, salvation is the greatest gift that you and I can ever receive. In verses 28 to 30, this servant that receives this wonderful forgiveness from the king, he's got servants. And so he goes out and finds a servant that owes him just a penny, just a little tiny bit that certainly can be repaid. And he chooses to be unmerciful. He chooses to be unforgiving. He chooses to be absolutely opposite to what he's received. And the Scripture goes on, and uh, you and I realize that there's a faithful servant in the story, and there's a wicked servant in the story. And so how is it possible? Let me give you an illustration. I had a group of my friends here a few weeks ago from... Uh, Bond Slaves Motorcycle Club, and one of the guys in the club's named Spider, and everybody has a nickname, my grandpa, and so, and I don't have gray hair, I have chrome, all right, so when you're on a bike, you understand that, but Spider gave his testimony at our, our recent national gathering, and he talked about his parents didn't want him, so they put him up for adoption. That didn't work. He ended up in children's aid, and he bounced from house to house and house to house, and he ended up with a family that put him in the basement and locked him in the basement. And he spent most of his childhood in the basement. And it wasn't until he was about 16 where he was able then to be released and went out on his own way to live his own life. How many know he has issues with something like that? And yet he came to faith in Christ and God not only was able to forgive him the debt that he couldn't pay, but he was able to turn around and forgive all of those families that treated him the way they treated him and to release forgiveness. If you know anything about the story of Corey Ten Boom, she was in Holland during the Second World War, arrested by the Germans and sent to a concentration camp along with her sister. And there was a particular guard in the camp that took issue with her sister and killed her sister. Fast forward 
quite a few years later, and Corey is in a city in Germany, and she's giving her testimony in the church service like this, and at the end she says, if you want to give your life to Christ, I want you to stand up and come forward and stand at the altar. And when she looked down, there was the guard that had killed her sister stand up and start coming down the aisle. And as he's coming down the aisle, she looks at him, and she says in her heart towards God, oh, no. I can't forgive this man. He killed my sister. And she's doing what, you know, what needs to be done. And God simply reminds her of the forgiveness he's extended to her. And so she embraces him and she forgives him. What about your story? What are the situations that you have faced? What have you gone through? Human life being sinful the relational issues that we all go through sometimes are horrendous, but God has a remedy in the midst of it all, and that is the power of forgiveness at work in someone's life. I took Jason Corto's brother, Dan, with me to California one time to meet with Richard Wormbrandt. If you know his story from Voice of the Martyrs, you will know that he was put in prison for 14 years because he stood up against the regime of that day and uh, talked about the need for God at work. And they put him in jail. And for 24 hours, every single day, seven days a week for 14 years, they kept the lights on in his cell, and they pumped in communist propaganda day in and day out, morning, noon, and night. And while he was in the cell, and he said to me, I want to have communion with you. And I said, I want to have communion with you. He said, but before I have communion with you, I have to ask you a question. And I said, what's that? He said, when I was in my cell, I wanted to have communion with the Lord. But I had no bread. So I broke the bread, and I took it. And then I lifted the cup, but I had no cup. And I partook of the Lord's table. And then he leaned over with blazing eyes. And he said, Barry, did I have communion? And I said, absolutely, you did. It's not about the form. It's about the substance. And the substance is the presence of God. And the presence of God was in that cell. And yes, you had communion. And he said to me, I didn't have a tambourine. All I had were chains, and I started shaking my chains. Did I have a musical instrument? Yes, you did, sir. And now, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, God makes a way. There's always an opportunity for us not to be held back by the circumstance, but to genuinely be free. I always tell the story of my brother when he uh, did what he did and ended up in jail. And I talked to my mom, and my mom said, that's the last time I'm praying for him. I said, Mom, gee, come on. And she said, no, I don't mean it the way you think I mean it. I simply put my son in God's hands and said, now you deal with him. I prayed for, with him all these years, and he just has turned a deaf ear. You deal with him. How many know when you put someone in God's hands, he deals with them? That's called forgiveness. That's called releasing the burden of your heart so that you're free. 
And so in this particular story, we're realizing that if we see a glass full of poison and we drink it thinking it's going to hurt somebody else, we're foolish. And Jesus is trying to make it clear to Peter that if you walk by faith, you know that God is going to deal with every circumstance and every situation. Nobody escapes how we have behaved on planet Earth. Uh, and that's why when you're a believer, you're very grateful that when you go to be with the Lord, you go to the judgment seat of Christ. And when you go to the judgment seat of Christ, fire is applied to your heart and to your life. Not because you may not be saved. It's because you are saved, and what he's doing now is finding out where's the gold, where's the silver, where's the precious jewels, where are the things that you did in life that demonstrated your motive was pure and you wanted to serve the Lord well, and all the stuff that's just junk will just get burned off. And so when you think of all the stuff that you and I go through, thank you, Lord, for burning the dross away. And thank you for letting the richness of our relationship with you come to the service. So even as believers, we don't get away with it. And then when you think of the judgment of the sheep and the goats, yes, at the end of time, there's going to be a separation. And then the great white throne judgment where there is a clear distinction between believers and unbelievers. And you don't want to be at that great white throne judgment because that's only for unbelievers. So there's a lot going on in the parables. There's a lot of information for us to digest. Verse 31 says, The fellow servants saw what was done, and they were very grieved. So this man comes out of the king's presence. He's been forgiven everything, and he turns around to one of his own servants and begins to rail on him, forgetting that he has just been forgiven by the king. And so Jesus brings that to the attention of Peter, how vital it is for us who have been forgiven, to be able to extend forgiveness to others. Remember I said this is an in-house message? And what that means is, how do we get along with one another? You think of your household. You think of the small office that you work in. You think of the groups of people that you connect with. That's where this must be put into practice uh, every single day of our lives. Jesus cares about the health of his church the body of Christ. He cares about how we relate to one another. He cares that we know how to extend forgiveness. And so in John chapter 18, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. So we live in a time where discernment is really important for us as believers. Discernment in how we relate to each other, discernment as churches in a city, and discernment in terms of what's going on in the culture all around us. We're not to rail against the government. We're not to rail against uh, flesh and blood. But we're simply to take a posture of prayer, take a posture of trust in God, and watch him work. That's how we fight our battles. We don't fight our battles the way the culture does. We fight our battles according to the kingdom. So Jesus is saying to Peter, learn to forgive 70 times 7. That means every single day of your life you're going to need this, Peter, because situations and circumstances are going to come up. And rather than 
breaking fellowship with one another and destroying relationships. You want to build relationships by being a person of faith and a person of trust and a person of forgiveness. When you fight the battle in here, what's outside is not a big, big deal. And how many know as a pastor you have a lot of opportunities to forgive people? You know, we'll preach a message and then we'll get an email. You should have said this, you should have said that. Well, yeah, we should have said it, but if you come every Sunday over the course of a year, we'll say everything you want us to say. We'll sing every song you want us to sing. We'll do all the things that your little heart desires. You can't do it all in a particular service. We've had people say, how dare you have a relationship with that person because they're this, 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 and this. And I'll say, yeah, they are in the sense that that's their life's history, but they're forgiven. Jesus has wiped their debt clean. Their slate is pure. And that's hard for us to grasp, especially if it's someone who names the name of Jesus and you are expecting them to live differently than they're living. And you get bitter because of that. You get angry because of that. And you find your heart not being willing then to walk in forgiveness. So in verses 32 and 33, the master said to the servant that went out and would not forgive his own servants, you wicked servant, you ought to have had the same compassion on them that I had on you. But the wicked servant chose not to do that. And so as I said a moment ago, the God that we serve is merciful, but he's also a judge. He'll hold everyone accountable for their words and for their actions, and that's why God is not safe. I want you to look at the cross with me in just a moment. And as you look at the cross, that's his son. And when Jesus chose to take upon himself the sin of the world, the Father's wrath was poured out on his Son because of sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. A divine exchange took place at that moment, but God didn't spare him. What makes you think he'll spare you? If he didn't spare his own Son... So you and I have a responsibility to understand, Lord, you are very serious about this issue of forgiveness. Verse 34, master was angry, delivered him to the tormentors until he should pay all that was due. So also my heavenly father will do to you, each of you, from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So think about issues that you go through in your life. Think about people that you hold. Think about situations you've gone through in the past where you're still anchored to it. I want you to know that when a message like this is being proclaimed, the heart of God is for you to be free. The heart of God is for forgiveness to flow, not just from you to someone, but from God to you, so that you can understand how he wants your heart to be at peace and at rest. When Jesus tells Peter, this is what my heavenly Father will do if you walk in unforgiveness, I can see the look in Peter's eye. It's like, but, 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 Lord, 
And then Peter realizes God's serious about forgiveness, and we need to be serious about forgiveness. And so we say to ourselves, Lord, my impossible debt, I could never pay it. But like the king, you were willing to be compassionate towards me. You were willing to extend mercy towards me. You were willing to forgive me when sometimes I'm not even willing to forgive myself. How many of us have been trapped in, I can't even forgive myself? How could I have done that? I mean, I've talked to people that have been in prison, come out of prison, and given their lives to Christ and said, I can't change my past. And the devil always uses it to beat me over the head. How do I get free from that? The freedom is to understand the devil is part of the Christian story. He is part of the story. He's central to the story. And God's at work bringing an end to the devil, bringing an end to the misery he causes on the planet. And every time you remember your past, I want you to always recognize that when Jesus forgives you, it's complete. And so when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. What's waiting for him? And the realization that we don't have to fight the devil. That battle's already been done by Jesus at the cross. He's a defeated foe. What we battle is our willingness to accept forgiveness in our life and our willingness to extend forgiveness and trust that God will be at work in the circumstances that cause us grief. That's called living by faith. And so Peter is facing the reality that God says what he means and means what he says. And when he says that we're to forgive others 70 times 7, that means we're to walk in mercy and we're to walk in compassion towards others. And that forgiveness really is saying we have been forgiven by God, therefore we forgive. We make that a determinate position of our hearts that, Lord, we're going to be people who forgive. And so I want you to remember just keep it in the back of your mind that God is single-minded about this issue of having a lifestyle of forgiveness. That it's important for us every day to grasp how central this is to the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. That cross represents the justice of God upon sinful human beings and then the willingness to go into the grave and rise on the third day and extend forgiveness to whosoever will may come. What a gospel you and I have. What a freedom that's offered to us. What a wonderful reality that the God that we serve is not out here to beat us over the head, but he's to extend a hand of welcome and invite us to a place of forgiveness so that we can be sons and daughters of God and then turn around and make a difference in the lives of others by extending forgiveness as well. What an amazing kingdom you and I are a part of. You remember the cross of Jesus the very end of his life, and they're still hurling insults at him. They're still cursing him. The Romans have crucified him. The Jews have rejected him. And on the cross, one of the thieves turns to him and just in a moment of time says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. What is that? That's a moment of surrender. That's a moment of forgiveness. 
And Jesus looks out at the Jews that are cursing him, looks out at the Roman soldiers that have just crucified him. And what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In our modern vernacular, we would say, Father, forgive them because they're really, really stupid. They really don't know what they're doing because if they understood what they were doing, they wouldn't do this. And so often our situations are because we don't fully understand what we're doing. But Alistair Begg is a great Scottish preacher, and he talks about the thief on the cross goes to heaven. And as he goes through the pearly gates, everyone says, how'd you get here? Did you go to church? Nope. Did, were you justified by faith? I don't know. Never heard about that. What about what you did? Oh, well, I was crucified for that. He said, well, how come you're here? He said, well, the man on the center cross said I could be here. The man on the center cross says you can be there in heaven too with him. You can be eternally in his presence and enjoy his presence. So here's my question to you. Do you have any situations or any circumstances when you look back over your life that you feel anchored to, rooted to, things you can't not think about, stuff that gets you riled up, things that trouble your heart, that take away your peace. If you do, in a moment, I'm going to open these altars and we're all going to stand here at the altar and we're going to allow God to alter us and change our circumstances. But let me end with this. There was a 80-year-old gentleman in a church and he met with the pastor, and the pastor said to him, Are you enjoying the church? And he said, Oh, I love the church. He said, Pastor, I can sit anywhere in the church, and I can hear you, and it's wonderful. And the pastor said, Why, have you got some issues with your hearing that you need to move around? And he said, No. He said, I just don't have any issues with anybody in the church. So I'm not going to sit in the right-hand section or the left-hand section or the center section where they are. I'm free to sit anywhere I want because I'm free. I have no issues with anybody. I've committed them to Christ already, and I'm trusting him that he's at work. And so I'm free to worship. I'm free to love others. I'm free to be who I am as a man that's being groomed and developed into the image of Jesus Christ. And so this is my question to you online. This is going to be my question to all of us here in the sanctuary. Do you need to forgive anyone in your past, in your present? Are there situations that you know still trouble you? Is it hard to forgive? Has that been something that has held you back? Does the enemy keep bringing back things to your mind that uh, you haven't dealt with yet and you know you need to? So today's the day. We sang a song a little while ago about it's a miracle that God breaks every chain. Are there chains that are holding you in some area of your life? If that's the case, I want you to know that in a service like this, there's freedom for you. 
God is at work, and He can do things in your life in an instant. And you might be saying to me, Pastor, do I have to get out of my seat and walk to the front? No, you don't have to do anything. But I'm going to ask you to change posture and change position for a reason. I want you to step and walk out of that circumstance that has held you. I want you to see as you take steps of faith, Lord, I'm going to go to the altar and I'm going to put it on the altar never to take it back again. And I'm going to walk out of this service today knowing that I'm free indeed and knowing that the lesson of the parable of the unmerciful servant, that I'm not going to be unmerciful, I'm going to be a merciful servant. So let's all stand together. And those of you that are online, the question that I've asked you about your past or your present, take that to heart as well. And we're going to switch into the sanctuary now, and we're going to work together as God's people to enjoy the forgiveness that only comes through faith in Christ. So here's what I want you to do. I'm going to invite you in just a moment to come forward. It only takes one moment of your time to come and stand at the altar. I'm not going to ask you to divulge anything to anyone. That's between you and God. But I want you to know that it is the heart of God for you to be free. The heart of God is for you to understand that when he said to Peter 70 times 7, he was saying to Peter, I want you to be absolutely free from whatever is troubling you in this particular circumstance or whatever troubles you in your life. And you know the end of Peter's life. He didn't even want to be crucified the same way Jesus was. He chose to be crucified upside down. So there's something about freedom from even the things of this world that help us to be able to walk the way Jesus wants us to walk. Amen? Amen. So let's close our eyes for just a moment. And Father, right now, I'm going to ask you to speak to men and women. That if they know that there are these types of circumstances in their life, that in this place today, in this house, they are more than willing to extend forgiveness and to trust you for the freedom that is needed. They want to set people free by being free themselves. Lord, we want to be people who walk out in the love of God, in the mercy of God, and that whom the Son sets free is free to worship, free to forgive, free to walk in faith, believing that you have everything under control and that you are at work in the circumstances of their life. And so let's do that. Let's take a moment right now. And if you say, Pastor B, I prayed that prayer with you. I know in my heart that's something that I need to step out of and step into the freedom that God is providing. I want you just to get out of your seat and come and join me here at the front. And I want you to know I'm here first. So I invite you to come and to join me so that we can take a moment and pray together. God doesn't want you carrying a burden that is just way too heavy to carry. He doesn't want the enemy to be beating on you day in and day out. But he wants your life to be free from the anguish and sometimes even the anger at saying, Lord, but I can't forgive.
And it's not really the true word can't, it's won't, but today you're saying I will. I'm willing to forgive. And you know that I am not saying this lightly. This is a very, very important moment in all of our lives today because these are critical areas. Some of us are even angry at God for things that have gone on. We blamed Him for things that have taken place. Or we've been in situations where we've said, I will never forgive them for what they have done. If that's the case, then you're trapped. Doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means you're trapped. And the freedom that God wants for your heart, he wants you to be free from these things. And so anyone else that needs to be here at the front, I know sometimes you're standing in your seat and you're saying, I don't need to be at the front. No, you don't need to be at the front. But I tell you, when you take a step, it's really, really important because you will remember that you walked down the aisle today. You stood at the altar when you heard a message on forgiveness and you said, God, I want to be free. I want to be a forgiving servant. And because you did that, you will have a memory of that that you can always go back to. So why don't you take your hand and put it over your heart. And I want you to say this, these words with me. You don't have to say it loud. Just say it just how you normally talk. Father, thank you for today. You have spoken to my heart. I need to be free. So the first thing I do, like the king, I release forgiveness. I extend mercy. I release kindness to situations that were unkind, situations that were unmerciful. situations that had me captive I release that today I'm willing to forgive so Lord bring to my remembrance those people and those places and those situations that now I need to forgive and as God brings those things to your remembrance, I just want you to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for forgiveness flowing from your throne to my heart to those circumstances. I release forgiveness from my heart so that I might be free. Now I want you to take your right hand and I want you to put it down by your side and I want you to pull up the anchor you are no longer bound to that circumstance or that situation. Why? Because you stood at the altar in faith believing that God would hear your prayer and God would answer your prayer and he would extend forgiveness to you. That's what he's done. So all you have to do now is to say, Lord, I receive the forgiveness that I'm able then to extend to others now absolutely free from any circumstance. And so I want to say, number one, thank you for responding to him.
thank you for putting whatever that was on the altar and taking God at his word. And because you've done that, your life is altered right now. That's what the altar does. It alters us. And he's done that for you. And I just want you to know how proud a pastor is of you seeing that you're willing to take that step. And so when you go back to your seat, I want you to go back with joy in your heart, with the realization that your life is going to be different from this moment on because you have been obedient to what the teaching was today on the issue of forgiveness. And everything in you now says, Lord, I'm free. I am free. Say it with me. I am free. I am free. I am free. It might not change when you go out in terms of what you see in your circumstance, but you're already free. You're already free. Don't drop the anchor back down in the same place. You got it. Give it to him and let him now direct your steps. Amen. Let's give the Lord a shout. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And so, Father, we bless your house. We bless your people today. We bless for them to become a blessing. And that you would write on the tablets of their heart, I forgive because I have been forgiven. And Jesus, thank you that we're taking you at your word. And like Peter, we're the 70 times 7 group now. We're the ones walking in the joy of the Lord, walking in the peace of the kingdom. And because we're obedient to you, Jesus, your blessings rest upon us. For it's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Bless you guys. Thank you.